Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. What a victorious and glorious time we had at the One Association Conference. Can I get a good amen? Nine sessions of glory, revelation, Holy Ghost encounters of all kind. They were transformational experiences that are still moving our hearts. Yes. The heavens were moving, interacting and engaging with you and with me. The very presence of God was among us. And the Spirit of God was palpable. Yeah. It was tangible. Yeah. It was ever-present. And that was in between the sessions. <laughs> Much less the sessions that we had together where the Lord spoke and continued to speak and continued to refine our hearts. What a glorious time we have just exited from. Oh, man. Were you guys impacted by the conference? Yeah. I mean, transformationally impacted? Uh, how, how do you regather? How do you recover, regain your constitution after such an amazing time? Some of you, I'd say maybe a third of you, have actually caught up on some sleep. Yeah? Everybody still run on some fumes. I don't know. I, I get it. I get it. See Elder Charlie if you, if you haven't caught up on your sleep yet. He'll tell you what to do. <laughs> Look, our conference uh, was as much of the word as full of the Holy Ghost and fellowship that you can actually pack in one weekend. I mean, it was nonstop, don't stop. That's what it was. <laughs> well, Pastor Wade and I, we believe that this conference was a springboard into what is to come in the next year. See, in the past, the One Association Conference is acted as the finality of a year. But what we're looking for is the content of this conference moving us forward. It's giving us direction, vision, insight into seeing what's to come and that we're going to live up to it. So are you ready? Oh yeah. Are you hungry for more? Oh yeah, I'm hungry. Are you ready to see what God has for us tonight? Well, we're going to give you a little something, something. We'll give you a little sample. So the title to tonight's message is Taste and See. Turn to Numbers chapter 13 and say taste and see when you get there. Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verse 17. Say taste and see when you get there. Hey, we're going to go ahead and, and, and go ahead and start off this evening by letting you know. We're going to help explain to you where you're at coming into service today. We're, we're going to let you understand what's been going on in your life. The warfare that's been there, the difficulties that have yeah. been there in the last few days. Yeah. See, because if the enemy can cause you to forget what you've just tasted and seen in God's presence, then he'll let you have all the nice weekends that you want. But we tonight are going to taste and see, and we're going to be able to take what God has given us, and we are going to move forward in the Lord tonight. Look, hey, Pastor, COVID cannot stop what I can taste and see from the heavens. <laughs> we hadn't lost our taste. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 17. Say taste and see. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. Moses was sending the people of God to get an elevated perspective of the promised land that he was about to send them into. You got to get an elevated perspective. It's almost like you got to find some heavenly high ground or you got to throw up your hands for what the Lord's doing. See, he was placing their feet on this exalted place, on an elevated place. Why? In order that they could see, in order that they could get a sample of the good things that were to come. Yeah. Isn't that just what we've been in? 
You've seen well, a sample of the kingdom that is to come. From every nationality, from every region of the country, from every region around the world, what you've gotten in that one weekend is you see what it's like to be much larger than just the people that are around you. You realize that you had family members that you didn't know about. You realize that you had uh, affection for other churches. And you're like, man, I hadn't seen you in a while. What's been going? Oh my goodness. It's like we've come home. See, that elevated position was for a reason. It's to get you to sample what God has for you. It's to get you to understand what he's doing, because if he can do it there, he can surely do it here. If he can do it here, he can do it inside of your home. And that's what this past weekend was about, was to get you up on higher ground, was to get you elevated in your thoughts, get you elevated in your heart so that you can have a sample. Can you imagine? Isn't that a, a strange thought to have last weekend? was just a sample of the things that God has to come for us. Pastor, there were, there were more samples of what God is doing in the nations around the world, comprised of what exists in the one association, than Houston has of multinational-type restaurants. I mean, talk about a taste of what God's doing around the world. So let's pick up in verse 18. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are the trees in it? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it was a season for the first ripe grapes. So what's really going on here, right? They're being sent to explore from an elevated position. Now, going into the land. And you got 12 spies going to check it out. And this is like looking at, hey, are, are the people here going to be strong or weak in this land? What am I really up against? We're sizing up the challenge. Where there be numerous difficulties when I go to set out to do God's will or only just a handful of difficulties. You know, the, the people that we meet, are they going to be friendly? Is, is there, are they unwalled cities? Or are they fortified cities? Soft hearts or hard hearts? And speaking of hearts, how, how is the soil? Is it going to be easy to grow something in this land, or is it going to cause, uh, require intense labor to cultivate something to come out of it? Look, as we're reading this passage, I begin to flash back. You, know, you can say, uh-oh, no telling what's going to come out of Matt's mouth now. I begin to flash back, and I remember what it was like when God began to call us and give us vision and clarity of the promise of what our lives would look like. You know, since the day that we were uh, born again, since the day I was born again, I knew God spoke to me that I was going to be standing in a place of being in ministry, doing the very thing I'm doing right now. There was a certainty, but... I can guarantee you there was no clear road of how I was going to get there. I tasted and I've seen of what God had called us to. And over the course of years, God assembled a team of brothers and brotherhood. In 1999, way, way back, 1999, I was 23 years old. Pastor Wade was 24. Pastor Eric was 24. It's a long time ago. We were all three together at King's Harvest Church. And God began to stir something in us. And we went and explored the land. 
We knew that God called us all three into ministry back then. And so we set out to a little town called Hammond, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Bursting metropolis of Hammond. It's 40 miles east. Let me say it again. 40 miles east. Yeah, of Baton Rouge. So what happened is that Eric and Jen, Matt and Cassidy, we ventured out. We went and sat at a coffee shop. We prayed. We asked the Lord, give us vision. I think the Lord's calling us to start a ministry. We're not sure if this is the land. I'm not sure if this is the place. We're scouting it out. Then, about two weeks later, Eric and Jen, Wade and Christy get in the car. They go to the exact same place and they pray. We all were kind of same ballpark, but here was a problem. We were going in the wrong direction. We were headed eastward. We had to repent and go westward. See, what the Lord was doing, he was allowing us to enter into the land, meaning the idea, the, the beginnings of what we were going to be doing that we're doing now. And we needed some further clarity. What is the soil? What is the land? What are the people like? He let us begin to taste and see what our futures would be. And see, we were exploring the promised land of our futures together. And we had to go through a process to get in the right direction and get to the right land. Praise God that even in our youthful vigor, God redirected our steps. And one by one, he pointed us to the right place, which is westward towards Texas, <laughs> landing right here in Sugarland. because without that, we wouldn't be here with you right now. Can anybody relate to what we're saying? Anybody ever assessed a task that you were trying to get to? You assess something. You're like, yeah, no, man, I, I, I got this. We got this. I know that the Lord is with me. It's only going to take me a, a, a short amount of time, a little bit of effort, and the favor of God, and this thing will be done. Mm -hmm. Only to find out that the road was really long, the journey was really difficult, and your companions were very few. <laughs> See, what we've all experienced together was that God put us in the land of giant difficulties. Yeah, he did. Some of you are experiencing those today yeah. with siblings, with, with relatives, with your work situation this very day. Your own family seemed to be fighting against you with giant problems. Today, am I lying? No. no. We've had difficulties, but that's what this is like. See, when God allows you to get on elevated ground, it's so you can see a sample of the good things that he has in store for you. Yeah. Outside of our comfort, outside of our familiarities, outside of your own skill sets, uh-oh. Come on. Outside of your own strength. Anybody learned that yet in the kingdom? That you spend a whole lot of time outside of where you would want to be? I think that defines pastor. I think that's what the word pastor means, is to be outside of what you think you can do all the time. Can I get an amen, Pastor Brady? Amen. Yeah. See, pastor after pastor here in Sugarland told Eric and Matt that this was not the place to plant a church. That many have tried and many have failed. Yep. You should go somewhere where the people were more welcoming where the difficulties were fewer, where the soil was more conducive, where the soil was more fertile. See, what Moses is doing is he's sending his people to get their own eyes onto the promise. What you got to see a little bit of last weekend was the promise that you didn't even get, that wasn't even given directly to you, that you got to walk in and go, my, my, what is this going on? See, we don't ever think about what it takes for the promise to be fulfilled. We just love walking in a promise. 
Unless you've had to set up a conference, nobody thinks about the setup of a conference. Look, we magically just walked in and look, everything is here. Chairs and sound system. I waved my hand and I prayed seven times. <laughs> just as we expected. It's all here waiting on me. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, that's a sample. That's a sample. See, what we're trying to get you to do tonight is to understand that there is a great promise that's ahead of you. And you've had a glorious, a wonderful, a life-changing sample of it. And that God has even more for you to be able to walk in. Yeah. This is why Moses was asking for a sample from the people. Hey, do your best to bring back some fruit for me. Come on. Moses, while he's saying, you got to scout it out. And by the way, go ahead and bring back some fruit. Let's see a sample of what's going on. Let me see what the fruit that's actually there. That's one of my favorite parts about the conference. Yeah. Is that you get to see the fruit of this way of life. You don't have to guess at it. You don't even have to have a ton of faith. You just got to open your eyes. Man, you mean if I keep doing what I'm doing, that I can be like a, a Pastor Zach or a Pastor Jake? Yes. yes. If you commit to this way of life, yes, you can walk in your calling and fulfill that promise. Do you mean that I can, that I can do and I can see and I can go? Yes, that's exactly what we mean. Holding to this way of life, you get to see the product. You guys realize the pastors on the stage at whatever time that you saw them? This is why Matt is telling you about where we were 21 years ago. We weren't there. No. But we found the way of life. The Lord led us to this and we're able to sample it and know, and you are too. Amen. Amen. Asking, Moses was asking the people to be able to taste and see that God was doing something. That he's really there. See, we went to Hammond. <laughs> that's, that's the best we knew how, guys. We're 20, 24 and 23. That was the, unless you're Spencer, ain't nobody know even where Hammond is. You probably shouldn't. Though. All right. Damien and Tamika know too. But this is why we are here. This is why we take trips to Turkey. Yeah. Hammond. Turkey. Hammond. Turkey. <laughs> Turkey's always better than Hammond. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Church, this is why we're constantly taking trips to Turkey. Yeah. As much as we can get into Israel, to Seattle, even to Sugarland. Why? Because you're trying to see and you're trying to partake of the fruit and get just a glimpse. This is why that Pastor Brent has places that he's going now. He's going to even other islands within the chain of Indonesia to see what that fruit is, to see what it's like to be able to get a sample. Come on now, let's go on to verse 21 and let's get the fullness of this. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Libo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some of the pomegranates and figs. Come on, when you have 
the ability to begin to explore the promises of God. And you're going to go get a sample to taste and see what God is going to do in the future. What you immediately realize is the testimony that you are carrying back is carried on the shoulders of covenant. You have two of them carrying it on a pole between them. God's design is that a covenant carries his promises. Let me say that again. God's orchestrated design is that a covenant carries his promises. It is not done solo. You have example after example in the word where you see this. Moses and Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, Bezalel and Oholiab, David and Jonathan. You have two lampstands in the book of Zechariah that have the anointing of oil pouring through it to go out and give light for the nations. You have the sending out of the twelve. And how did they go, saints? Two by two. You then have the sending out of the seventy. And how did they go? Two by two. Particularly in those circumstances of the twelve and the seventy. They were being sent out to prepare the way that Jesus would eventually land. They were exploring the promises of God that could land in that very village, in that very town. And they were bringing back a sample to their king. You have Barnabas and Saul. You have Paul and Silas. You have Paul and Timothy. You even have the two witnesses in Revelation 11. And what are they doing? They are standing as a representative of God's covenant on earth and issuing out judgment on earth. And that being just a sample of what was yet to come when the horse and the rider descended upon earth. See, it is a single purpose. Like that single cluster of grapes. It required a covenant of two to carry it and establish its work. What do we carry between us, the Sutherlands and Piros? What do we carry between the families that are in this church? What do we carry between the One Association churches? We carry the promises of God that are being fulfilled on the basis of being in covenant. But let me tell you where this starts. It starts with husbands and wives. That is the starting point by which God formed his covenant and the means to carry it. Husbands and wives, you have the responsibility to walk in shalom and with each other because it's only upon the shoulders of marriage that the covenant and reflection of God's marriage with his bride is reflected and brought to the promise. Ministry partners. We have pastors and elders that work in covenant to carry these. We have the Aswan team, all the families of LCM. And what you just experienced last weekend was a unification of of carrying the promise of God in covenant with the churches. You want a sample of what the fruit is? You want to carry on your shoulders a sample of the promises that God has for your future and what he's going to do through ministry in you? It's going to take a covenant to carry it out. When you are striving to be in covenant with God and those that he's put around you, even in multiple forms, that's going to ensure that you will have an example, a sample for others to taste and see, for you to taste and see. And it will guarantee that the promises of God that he's spoken to you are going to come about. 
Anybody like getting a sample of something? <laughs> Matt yes. and I went to a restaurant today and they gave us samples. It was delicious. It was la, Las Brasas, Peruvian. And they said, you white people look like you're taking too long. <laughs> That's true. They gave us a sample. It was awesome. See, this is what's happening here is the sample that's required is always part of the covenant. Look at verse 24. It takes a covenant to carry it out. I love that, Pastor. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. The whole valley was then named after the singular cluster of grapes that it took a covenant to carry it out. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Church, this sample of what God has for the people became the name of the entire valley. The sample became the name of the entire group because it was such a powerful sample. See, it was a taste, but it was such a good taste of what was there. It was. It was something that was beautiful. Come on, church, now. You know that your fruit actually identifies your entire life, right? Yeah. The fruit that you have is the identifying mark. The Israelites came to know this area because of the giant amount of fruit. Church, I want to encourage you tonight. You might have been going through giant problems today. The passage that Pastor read, they were naming Ahiman, Shishai, Talmai, the name of giants in the land. But there's also giant fruit in the land. Amen. If you're going to have giant fruit, you're going to have to be in a land of giants. This is the way that this is going to work out in each of us. Do you want giant fruit or not, church? Yes. Then you're going to have to go where the giants are and drive them out. Come on. Because you can taste and see. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 34 and verse 8. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Say taste and see when you get there. Taste and see. Uh-huh. Thank you for reading the beginning of the verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Why would you need refuge? Because in the land where you're going to taste and see and you're going to have giant fruit, you're going to have giant problems. But you fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who actually fear him lack nothing. Church, you get to see what a first fruits look like. What does the first fruits mean? It means that there is more to come of the same or increase in quality. You're getting a taste of that which is to come. It is just almost like you're getting a, uh, a sample of the whole. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says this. For no matter how many promises God has made. Anybody in this house received a promise from God? Yes. Come on, anybody need a promise from the Lord? Okay, we'll pray for you. You'll get a promise for the Lord. Because it doesn't matter how many promises that He makes. Because when He makes it, they are yes. Somebody say yes. Yes. In Christ. And so through Him, the amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Is spoken by us to the glory of God. What is the promise? It's God saying yes, and it's you saying amen. Yes. Amen. That is what a promise is. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. 
Come on, how are you going to stand firm? You're going to stand firm because it's God that makes you to stand firm. He says, yes, you respond with amen. Then he helps you to stand in what he's given. He helps you to stand in the promised land. He anointed us. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership upon us. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I'm going to read that part again because I want you to get it. I'm just going to go again. He anointed us. When you get anointed with God's presence, whether it's in worship, whether you're at the altar, whether you're driving in your car and you have to just pull over, He anointed us, poured his spirit upon us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Don't argue with me about if someone, one of your relatives is saved or not. My question to you is, is they do, do they have the deposit in their hearts? You and I can argue about it before, but when there's, a, when there's an anointing of God's Spirit, there's no more argument left. What did God do? I don't know, but they have the same Spirit in them that I have in my heart. Amen. Yeah, I understand this now. I, there's a lot of things that may need, still need to be worked on. There's a, a lot in my family members that need to be worked on. But what I can see is the deposit. I can see the sample that's in them that is, a, uh, that is trying to testify to the, to the rest of the fruit that is to come. See, they were able to get a taste so that they could see how good God is. Our One Association Conference is a taste that you can see that God is actually in our midst. Our church services are just a taste of what that is to come so that you can see that God is in our midst. It's not just a promise. It's a sample. It's an actual sample of what is to come so that you can see it and taste it. It's the... Somebody say guarantee. Guarantee. My God, if we could live like the, we understood this, that his sample is to guarantee that there's more to come. Amen. There's more to come. There's more that you can achieve. There's more to do. And this sample has something special about it. This sample that's guaranteeing more to come. I want you to realize something. In Numbers 13, the sample that they're bringing back, the 12 spies, there's no battle recorded. There was no fight that ensued in order for them to obtain and return with that sample. So they were given a sample without a fight. Whoa. Let me flash back again. My days of strolling through Sam's or Costco. Yeah. I'm getting free samples from station to station, man. I think the food that they're going to sell in this one key, in this one little station is gross. I never would eat it, but I'm going to eat the free sample. I don't have to fight the people working behind the little stand to get it. I'm going to have to fight the three or four women on my left and right to get it. Or the couple of seven-year-olds that keep cutting in front of you. You want to elbow in the face to get them out of the way. Just It's just hypothetical. It's all my thoughts. Yeah. Just, just saying. <laughs> but what we're looking at here is that the beginnings of exploring the land of promise 
God gave them the ability to receive a sample without a fight. That the minute that I reached up and I was right with God and my heart was stretching towards heaven, I want your Holy Spirit to fill me. The promise in Matthew was true. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? That gift that is guaranteeing what's to come. That sample that allows you to taste and see what heaven resurrection power is like. See, the idea is this. Of course there are enemies much larger than you. That's the whole point of the promised land. His sample is to let you taste and see that it's, not, it's about his strength to accomplish his will, not yours. He put you in an impossible situation because the God of all heavens is the only one that has a strength possible for you to accomplish it. Yeah. In this land, like Pastor said, there is a giant amount of fruit, giant blessings. You know, we did not know in 2004 that we would have the fruitfulness of children that we now have in our church. Had no idea. Then in 2004, our kids made up 50% of our church. <laughs> and we weren't finished having kids yet at the time. I think we're still at that percentage. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it up. Amen. But let me, let me let you in on something. And many of you are standing here as witnesses of this. Not only did we not know how many kids we would have in our church now, we had no idea about the giant battles that we would have to go through to get them. That along with the giant fruit came giant obstacles. And it's only through tasting and seeing of the promise of God giving us His resurrection power to bring forth life that we were able to actually accomplish it. And it sounds like we're going to keep on accomplishing it. Let's go to verse 30 so that we can see how this purpose, the purpose of tasting and seeing, church, what is the purpose of tasting and seeing? Yes, it's to give you a sample. Yes, it's to give you a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Here's where it relates to you today. You can't sit and soak in a sample. That's not what it's for. Even though Pastor Matt may go seven times to the same kiosk at Sam's. Egg rolls. For the egg rolls. He is not designed to be sustained by the samples that are giving. Let's look at verse 30. Verse 30. Say, taste and see when you're there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Yeah, you got to silence your own heart so you can catch what I'm about to say. Come on. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. <laughs> yes. See, you thought the point of last weekend was just to make you feel good. Just to get in some presence of the Lord. Just to get a sample. Just to go up on the heavenly high ground. That was what you were supposed to do so that you can then turn and go and engage and get back in the battle. Amen. It was to give you strength. It was to give you a surety. It was to give you the guarantee of what's to come. Amen. The guarantee in your life, David Hall. Amen. 
of what God has for you. The guarantee, Adam Cora, of what God is doing in you. Man, if I keep going on this path, I can see. I know what I will become. I know what my family will become because I see it all around me. Praise God. Now let's get up and go take it. Yeah. This is what this is for. You've got to get up and fight. Amen. Don't you think that today was back like that for most of us in this church? Oh, I'm tired. Uh, can't we just go back where we can sit and soak? That was a sample. It was a good sample. Yes. The truth is, is my family is going to keep chewing on that sample for the next weeks. And as long as it takes for us to go over every sermon again and again until we get it. Amen. I'm not saying bypass it. I'm saying there was a purpose to it. The purpose wasn't so that you can go, man. Woo! I mean, woo! Man, that message from Pastor Jake. Oh, crushed me. Oh, I'll never look in a mirror the same way again after Pastor Justin Johnson's sermon. <laughs> Come on, the way that Pastor's Nick, Nick Slaughter, Nick Mass, man, that was, man, the way, man, yes, yes, praise God. You get a sample. That's just a sample of what's coming. Yeah. That's just a sample of what's coming in Indonesia. See, we're doing it here. He's doing it there. And you know what he gets to know? This is a sample of what's coming. But now you got to get up and go fight. Amen. You got to take this and yes. go, Woo! I love that. My body is tired, but my spirit could be more alive. This is what I'm going to go do. And you go fight. A sample may have been given without a fight, but the fullness is never given without a fight. Come on. This is how this is achieved. Deuteronomy 6 speaks of large, flourishing cities that you didn't build. Vineyards, orchards that you didn't plant. Boy, that sounds like a blessing. That sounds like a sample to me. That sounds like what you walked into in the conference. You didn't have to build it. You got to just walk in and enjoy it because the Lord is good to you. But now what are you going to build? Come on. Where does your fight need to engage with? What do you have to go and accomplish for the Lord? See, God is a warrior and he intends for you to achieve what you're supposed to achieve through war. Somebody say war. War. It is not achieved any other way. You don't sit and soak. You don't sit and swish your little, your little water around or sniff your coffee beans to cleanse your palate. You eat the sample and then you go to war. Amen. Can anybody feel what I'm saying tonight? Yes. This is what's going on in your life right now. It's not going to be easy. That's why you got the shot in the arm that you did. That's why you got the sample that you did. Now go fight for it. Go fight for your relatives. Go fight for the ones who said that now now they're going to move here. Don't be surprised that you run into giant problems. You're about to get some giant fruit if you keep fighting. You realize the one association was God's plan all along? You realize it was before we were born that God intended for this to be? And we're getting to walk in it. Passing along the promise. Passing along the possession. You and I get to enjoy. We get to sample, partake. These things have been built long before you and I got there. But our job is now to not forget the Lord. We've got to remember who He is, and we've got to fight for this. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 11. I want you to see something that is very, very clear in this passage of Scripture. 
Joshua 11 and verse 18. Honestly, anybody forget that you're in a battle this week? Anybody forget surprised that you got punched right in the mouth when you got back home? Whoa. Can we go back? Can, can we go back to where we were? No, man, you're up on the high ground. This is what happens. You get to fight for it. How many things has God given to you that you must then and go take? Come on. Everything that he gives to you. You got to then go occupy it, fight for it, defend it, take it, make it yours. Because he gave it to you. Look at Joshua eleven eighteen. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time. <laughs> How long we got to fight, pastor? I don't know. How about for a long time? That works. How about until the battle's done? You got to keep fighting because it's going to take you a long time. Except, verse 19, except for the Hivites living in Gibeon, not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites. <laughs> not one city. Nobody just said, I give. I don't want to have to fight you. You go ahead and take it. Not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites who took them all in battle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on now, I know Joshua 11 is your favorite passage in the whole Bible, right? <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> but it's right there in black and white. It is right there staring us in the eyes. Look at it, verse 20. For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war. Uh-oh. It is God's intent that you have to go to battle. It is God's intent that you get up and understand that these difficulties are for you. They are good for you because you've already had the sample. You know what it's going to be like when you get done. But right now, you've got to get up and go fight. Yeah. You've got to go and fight. You not only have to taste and see, but you have to go and fight. Man, I'm, 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 I'm working hard to get us to understand this tonight. It was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel so that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy. Well, that doesn't sound very pleasant. Nope. But it's the Lord. Exterminate them without mercy as the Lord commanded Moses. No one will achieve anything in this room, church. None of us will achieve what God has for us. Unless we have a war-like mentality. Amen. I don't care if it's a mom taking care of your kids. That's just psychological warfare. I don't know which direction, but it just depends on the day. Whether it's husbands and wives, you have to have a war-like mentality to achieve what God has for you. Just because he gave you the sample doesn't mean that you get to sit back. Mm. That's a good word. It's the proof of what you're going to get. Amen. It's supposed to inspire you. It's supposed to encourage you. Yeah. It's supposed to uplift you. It's supposed to empower you. So you keep going and you go back to the fight. At that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites. Oh, took out the giants from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, and Anab. From all the hill country of Judah and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. No Anakites were left in Israel territory, territory. Only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. So Joshua took the entire land. I want that said about me. 
I want yeah. that said about Pastor Matt. Yes. I want that said about you. Amen. That Keith and Floor took the entirety of the land that God had granted to them, that God gave them, because they went and they got up and they fought for it. Just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest for more. You know when you get to rest from your war? When you've completed everything that God gave you to, to complete. Amen. That's when war stops. Until then, we got to get up and fight. Somebody say, go and fight. Go and fight. We've been talking about Caleb. We've been talking about Joshua and the Israelites. I want to talk about us. We have some models and some examples that possess the spirit of Caleb, that have the tenacity and endurance of Joshua. I want to talk about Mr. Charlie Brown. Charlie and Joellen have been steadfast. They have not flinched. They have not backed up from what God has made them to be. They have done nothing but progress and grow in the kingdom. They tasted and they seen who God is and what he had for them. And they have done nothing but gotten up and fight for decades. In 1993, God gave Charlie a vision. Many of you have heard about this vision, the arm of the Lord. It was assembled of members that were shaped to fit, interlocked with one another. It was awakening the church. It was a vivid vision that God gave him. I remember hearing it 27 years ago. I remember being there, watching him moved by it. And it be the fire within his soul that is still burning in him today. What I can confidently say is that Charlie tasted of the heavens. He saw a heavenly vision. And it's done nothing but propel him and propel us. But you know what he and Joellen had to do from the day that he received it? Fight for it. I've watched him not only get a sample of tasting and seeing a vision that we're now living in. It's on our very shirts. I've watched them fight day after day after day. And they're still here helping us accomplish that vision. Come on now. That's a warrior right there. That's a man right there. Think about Baj Eregina. He got to see. He got to sample because he saw something happen in his own son. Yeah. He saw what his son was feasting on and said, hang on a second. We got to come check what the, out what this is. What he tasted and he saw personally is now something that he understands and he goes and fights for constantly. And he fights for all of you while he's doing it. Yeah. He fights for his own family. He fights for what God is calling him to do because he's tasted and seen. So he knows because he's a warrior that you got to get up and go and fight because that's the plan that God has for us. Oh, there's John Dang in the house. I remember John's attendance of the first LCM event ever. It was a crawfish boil at my house. He was lost back then, and so there's some characteristics that were displayed that are no longer present. See, John just thought he was there to taste the best crawfish on earth. Partake of the corn and potatoes of heaven. You know what John was able to taste and see? A way of life that he had to go and fight for. He had to fight for shalom. He had to fight for success. He had to fight for his daughters. 
all what that day was like after six years of fighting for a promise to come true, that right here on this stage, we erupted in joy with them when they announced they were pregnant for the first time. It was a day of rejoicing because we were all in the fight together with them. He did it. And he will continue to taste and see and to get up and fight. Go on, consider Judah Stevens. Little Judah Stevens action. Man, that man has tasted and seen the glories of God in special ways. He may have been born into this actual house, but he still has to get up and go and fight for everything that's been promised to him. And we're seeing an example of a man who not only has tasted and seen, but he goes and fights. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hey, there's Peyton Parsons. He got to our church because he attended Judah's marriage ceremony. And his lifelong friendship with the Aragenas brought him to a place where he could taste and see what the Lord had done in his friends. And he wanted some of it. He went from being a smooth-faced, gentle man to being a bearded warrior for the kingdom of God. Speaking of bearded warriors, think about Assad, the man of God, the lion of God, Robinson. Man, Assad and Kayla are here because of a work relationship with Avambola Daramola. They tasted the goodness of God to their family. They've sampled the, the heavenly manna, even at the baptism of Assad. It's one of my favorite singular baptisms that we had because of the prophecies that came forth to this man. Assad, the Lion King. Now... This family goes and they fight for the kingdom to occupy every good promise that God has given. See, he tasted and he saw what was good. And now he's learning how to go and fight in the right kind of ways every day. Amen. Hey, there is sweet baby Ray Ludvigson and his, his wife, Lindsay. Sweet baby Ray. They can say that they have sampled of the heavenly promise as evidenced by the twins that they hold in their very arms. Impossible circumstances in the natural, but they can see the goodness of the Lord every day that they look at those two twins. Now they make themselves ready to go and fight for the generational work that their children will continue that's to start inside of them. Think about Nolan and Tara Hewitt. Yeah. Arrived here. Brazen. Broken. Discombobulated. I just like that word. I had to throw that in there. It's a good word. I think it was accurate, though. But they tasted of the kingdom that is to come, church. They saw the glimpses. They saw the samples of what was to come. And now they stand united, full of shalom, as they go and fight to tear down the enemies, fight them, and fight to bring the kingdom of God right here on this earth. See, this is what we're talking about. When you taste and see, it's always to get up and go and fight. And that's what we're building here. Let's go back to verse 30 together. Verse 30 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, he quelled them. We should go up and take possession of land for we can certainly do it. Let me repeat this. Can certainly do it. Do you guys want a sample of understanding of what can certainly do it means? Let's put up our slide. This is Strong's number 3201. Yakol. To be able to overcome, to dare, to understand, or able to grasp the meaning of something by processing information about a subject. 
Church, you can see here the importance of what the NIV translates as we can certainly do it. In fact, the way that it occurs in this passage is in a double use of the word yakol. It's yakol, yakol. It is that you are able to have the ability to overcome. That you are daring to dare in overcoming. As we look through this, this definition, I want you to understand that anytime the Bible has a double occurrence of a Hebrew word, it is a heavy emphasis. What did God speak to us during the conference over and over again? Is that we can certainly do it. That God is thoroughly equipping us to have the ability to have the overcoming power, to have the daring and understanding to accomplish what he's called us to. Let me say this. It's not just being able, though. It's being completely able. Yeah, amen. It's not just being an overcomer, but more than an overcomer. Not just daring, but dangerous to the enemy. Not just understanding, but able to grasp and attain the promises that you have tasted. If you have an inkling and a desire for paleo, do the paleo in this word, and it will speak volumes to the content that we're sharing with you tonight. We've shown it to you in Hebrew. Let us show it to you in the Greek, in the LXX, in the Septuagint. Numbers 1330, and Caleb quelled the people before Moses. That's a good word, quelled. He silenced them. And said to him, not so, but ascending we will ascend, and we shall inherit it. For by might we shall be able to prevail against them. We will be mighty to be mighty. We will be more than an overcomer in this. See, that by might we shall be able to prevail. There's a double word here in the Greek just like it is in the Hebrew. Your call, your call here is translated by might. And you see that's the Greek 1450. And it's also we shall be able to prevail in 1410. But these are really the same root word. It's a singular word. And we want to show you that it actually was taught to you by Pastor Eric last Thursday night. This exact same concept. Take a look at this next slide. The word is from dunamis. The power of God. You have the power to be able to do what God. We can most certainly do this. The duna is the meaning of being able, being capable. And it's doubly used here because it's doubly special. Look at, look at the B definition. A spirit of strength, meaning manly vigor yeah. in opposition to Woo. a spirit of cowardice. Did you know that the Septuagint used the word talking about manly vigor in Numbers 13? We got so geeked out because we were like, Lord, you've been showing this to us. You've been telling us about this. We must need this. And a reminder tonight that we need the manly vigor. Look at, look at definition C. By metonymy, speaking of a person or a thing in whom the power of God is manifested. Now, clearly, we all know what metonymy means. Yes. The example, when you look it up in a dictionary means you start using a word in place of something else. You use the word suit to talk about a business executive.
The intention of you having manly vigor in opposition to the spirit of cowardice is not only that you can certainly do it, but that you become synonymous with the power that God puts in you. Yes. Yes. You are now interchangeable. That David Bonham, his name, his reputation is interchangeable because of the power of God. That's what it means that we can certainly do this. When his power comes upon you, you go out and fight and you do this right because the very power of God is in you. My goodness, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Pastor, what that brings to mind. There is a change that occurs when this gets deep inside of your soul. That the dunamis power of God is no longer something I desire. It is the very thing I am defined by. It not only possesses me, it is the very thing that demonstrates God's character in me. And I am synonymous with Him. He is synonymous with me. Not only giant fruit are you defined by, but it's the giant amount of His power that's inside of you. Look at Acts 1. To use an example of this word that we're talking about, Acts 1 8. But you will receive dunamis. You will receive manly vigor in opposition to a spirit of cowardice when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, this is the kind of power that is supposed to be synonymous with who we are. Yes. That you are now defined not only by the words, but by the actual power of God in our lives. Let's back up a few verses and taste and see a sample of what Jesus was giving to his disciples. Verse 3 of Acts 1. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is after Jesus' resurrection. And he's giving them samples. He's letting them taste and see the physical representation of what resurrection power looks like. It is the very thing that defines who he is. He's standing in it. And he gave how. What's the quantity of convincing proofs? Many. Many. Oh, not just one sample. Not just two kiosks. The whole store he gave samples from. But I want to tie something together that is just a precious jewel that God revealed to us. Keep your place in your Bibles for Acts 1. I want you to put on the screen Numbers 13, 25. And at the end of how many days? 40 days. 40 days, they, the spies, returned from exploring the land. After Jesus' resurrection, how long did he hang around giving many convincing proofs? 40 days. See, he, like the spies, he stayed in the land for 40 days. He was giving men and women of Israel a sample of resurrection power. By giving them these many convincing proofs, he was letting them taste and see the power and the kingdom of God at work within him. But he didn't stop there. Now putting this together, that he suffered, he gave many convincing proofs of resurrection. He hung around for 40 days with a sample of what heaven looked like. 
on earth. What's the next thing that he did? Verse 4 in Acts 1. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now pull up verse 8 again. Here we go. There we go. That's all we needed. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my martus, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The demonstration that we have before us in Numbers 13 and in Acts 1 is that there was a suffering. There was an encounter with a giant problem because there was a giant blessing to obtain. And that God has given us the ability to sample His power from heaven so that we can have resurrection power at work within us just as He had it within Him. But the power was given for the purpose of getting up and going to war with it. Getting up and fighting. After having given his disciples a 40-day sample of resurrection power, Jesus is now directing them to wait for this very same dunamis to be in them so they could be equipped, furnished, armed with heavenly power to get up and fight because the heavenly powers that would oppose them could only be defeated by that power. I want you to stand to your feet now. This brings us to a very pointed question. What do you need to do tonight, church? You need to taste and see the power of God so that you can go and fight within the power of God. Now is the time to be filled with dunamis power. Now is that time. I'm asking for your heart and your mind to be right with God so that you can receive it. If you experienced it yesterday, guess what? Today's a new day. You need a fresh outpouring. You need to be filled to overcome cowardice. You need to be filled to overcome fear. No more shall you be obstructed from the promises that God has spoken to you. You've tasted. You've seen. Now it's time to be empowered to go and fight. We want you to be filled with a manly vigor that will make you able, overcoming, daring, and able to obtain the power of God to be his witnesses. So here's what your pastors would want for you to do. I would like for our elders to come stand to my right here. Nick, come down. The pastors are going to join Nick on this side to pray for those to be filled with dunamis power. You need that fresh outpouring. You need that manly vigor to overcome cowardice. Now is the time. You feel dry. Now is that time. Don't let this moment pass you by. 
This is what you need for today. This is what you need to carry you into tomorrow. On this side, my right where the elders are, you need healing. Healing for something that may be recent, but I'm also speaking to long-term issues. How long did Joshua go to battle? For a long time. Tonight is the night that we're going to see the power of God demonstrated and crushing what has been hanging around for too long. It's got to go. Your pastors love you. We want to protect you. But more than anything, we want to empower you with the power from heaven. We want it to define who you are. So as I begin to pray, make your way down and let's stretch forth toward heaven and get what we need. Mighty King, we thank you for your dunamis power. We thank you for the ability to stretch forward and ask whatever we wish and know that in your name you will give it to us. We ask for fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost right here. We ask for fresh healing right now in the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.